I've got a pretty long scripture, so I hope your knees don't get weary. Go with me to Acts, the 27th chapter. Acts 27. I bought these expensive glasses, but they, when it comes to reading, they don't work. They gave, they gave me these prescriptions they call progressive. Yeah, they don't work. No. So, uh, Acts, the 27th chapter, beginning at verse 9, out of the New King James Version, it reads like this. Now, when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over. This fast speaks of the Day of Atonement. The feast was already over. Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman or the captain and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also. If by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete opening towards the southwest and northwest and winter there. Would you jump down for a brief moment? Jump down to verse 25. Verse 25. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe, God, that I will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. Now, when the 14th night had come, as we were driven up and down in the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were drawing near to some land. And they took soundings and found it to be 20 fathoms. And when they had gone a little farther, they took soundings again and found it to be 15 fathoms. Then fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. Take your seats if you can. I want to talk for a minute. If you get a chance later in your own private study, I want to encourage you to go back and read the entire 27th chapter of Acts. There's so much that I'm going to dig out, and I know when I gave the scriptures to the administration here, I gave verses 9 through 44, but for the sake of time, I wanted to extract the scriptures that would be pertinent to the message today. But let me give you the backdrop, if you will. Here's the backdrop. The backdrop of Acts 27, you'll find that Paul here is actually in a peculiar situation. Paul has now been arrested for preaching the gospel. 
And Paul has now been tried in one region, and because he is a citizen of Rome, they are now transporting him to another place. Paul finds himself in this peculiar situation, and as he is now been tried for a crime of doing what God told him to do. I find it very interesting, even in our lives, many of you have even spoken it to me, one of the things that I've wanted to make sure that I project in my sermons this week is that life is not always going to be easy. There's going to come times in our lives that things are going to happen that we did not intend on or we did not plan on. I know, I know many of us that have been in the church a long time, we used to be told that if you were going through something that you didn't have enough faith. We were told that you did not believe God enough. I'm here to tell you that you can have all the faith in the world, but there are some things that you're going to go through. It wasn't until I was about 30 years of age When Tom first met me, he could attest that I didn't wear glasses. When I was about 30 years of age, I was sitting in a Sunday school class, and I just knew that the Sunday school teacher was writing with a dry erase marker that needed to be replaced because all I could see was gray when it should have been solid black. And I complained, why in the world would the teacher be using that dry erase marker when we have so many that he could choose from. My mother, who was sitting next to me, heard me complain. She gently took her glasses off of her face, slid them over to me, and told me to try those on. As Soon as I put them on my face, I realized that the problem wasn't with the instructor. The problem was with me. How be it that I just all of a sudden woke up one day and couldn't see. Well, the problem wasn't the fact that I woke up one day and couldn't see. The reality of it is, is that I had been all my life in a city and in a town and in an area that I was very familiar with and did not come to realize that I stopped reading the signs on the interstate. I stopped looking at things because I had become, I adjusted myself to a problem that I did not know I had. This is the thing with the body of Christ is, is that oftentimes we get so familiar and so accustomed with the things that we've been going through that just as soon as God begins to shift us, we're not ready to shift because we've secluded within ourselves that this is the way it's always been. I used to have hair, but one day I realized my hairline couldn't get the way it used to be. I realized that Things in my life were changing. I was talking to an elderly lady in the church one day, PT, and she sat there. She says, Pastor, I'm I'm getting older. My walk is getting a little shorter. My eyes are getting a little dimmer. And I looked at her in the straight face because I believe this is exactly what the Holy Spirit told me. I says, do you realize what's happening? She says, well, I'm just getting older. My grandfather did it this way when he was in the hospital. Doctors came in and said, hi, Mr. Russell, how are you feeling today? He says, terrible. They says, what do you mean you're feeling terrible? 
They picked up his chart. They looked over his chart. He says, what is, there's nothing wrong with you, Mr. Russell. We're about to check you out. He says, I've got something you can't cure. And they kept looking. They says, what is it that you've got that we can't cure? He says, I've got old age. I've come to realize this is that the older we get, the more the calling card to go home becomes a little brighter. I stopped looking at old age or being older or shorter steps or less hair or dimming eyes as an indication that the enemy was after me. I started looking at it more that God was chasing me because I'm not destined to live here forever, but that God is calling me to go home. And so I recognize that this is just a temporary housing unit for something that's greater that's birthed within me, which is my spirit man. And my spirit man is always going to be greater than my flesh. Paul, Paul was preaching and teaching the word of God in such a way that it offended the officials. It offended those around him, even to the place where they came up and began to charge him with the very cruel crime of preaching the gospel. So here we find in Acts 27, they begin to load him up to take him on the other side. But my studies tell me in the scripture talks about it was the end of the fast, but the end of the fast was really after the day of atonement. Why is that important? Because this after the day of atonement, the weather was beginning to change. As Paul indicates, this is not a good time to travel. Those who had him in custody, I can only begin to think. They begin to reason within themselves. Here it is, we have a prisoner who is trying to get out of going to jail, and he'll come up with any excuse possible in order not to go over and be tried by the citizenship to which he belonged to. And Paul was just as sincere as he could be. And he said, this is not the good season to go across this world, this, this ocean, because guess what? This right now is after the day of atonement and the weather is not going to be favorable. Paul even said, we may lose some things in this season. You ever been around some folks? that have told you, maybe, 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 maybe this isn't the right time. Maybe, maybe this might not be the right relationship. Maybe that might not be the right job. Maybe right now may not be the right time. Let me tell you this, in this next season, in this next season, we've got to be so astute. We've got to be so in tune. The Bible says that my sheep know my voice. That knowing is not just something you hear afar off. That knowing is indicative of a mother who understands and knows the voice of her child. You know how it is. You get it. You could be in an amusement park. You could be in an adventure island off of New Jersey. Okay, I won't talk about that one. You can be somewhere and you can see all sorts of kids around, but let your child cry. Your child's cry is different from anybody else's cry. You let, let your child cry, daddy or mommy, and it's different because you listen to that voice and they've listened to your voice. 
The Bible says that my sheep know my voice. My sheep are in tuned with my voice. And a stranger, they will not follow. How many times have we heard a voice? In this season, in this chapter that we're getting ready to go into, it is indicative, it is imperative, it is very important for us to get to a place where say, God, I need to be able to discern and hear your voice like never before. Remove me and let me hear you. I'm an old school father, I'm an old school father. I'm an old school father to the point where it's certain things, if you do something, I'm going to do something. I tell my kids all the time, I got Tourette's. Not technically, but that's how I call it. When you do something, my hand moves uncontrollably. <laughs> if you don't believe that, read the Bible. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it out. You know, I believe in the Bible wholeheartedly. I believe in the five-fold ministry. The Bible says, whatever you do, do with all your might. Y'all know the scriptures. I know. It's not hermeneutically correct, and I, I'm sorry. Pat, PT will correct all of that after I'm back in Virginia. Don't worry. All right? He'll correct all of my theology once I'm gone. Here's the thing. My thing is, is that guess what? I know that there's certain things we've got to do, and there's certain things we've got to hear God's voice when we're doing it. And we've got to be the children that will hear his voice and be bold enough to say, God, I want to hear you. When my children act up, I already know how I'm going to respond until God tells me to do it his way. I've got a plan. I know exactly what I'm going to do. I told my wife this before. She was like, she called, you know what the kids done did? They did. All right. Don't worry about it. When I get there, big daddy coming. I'm going to straighten this all out. We go Disney on. Y'all know Mufasa coming. And Scar ain't around. It's a true story. She called me today. She said, they listen to you, Mufasa. And I was like, I said, what's Mufasa's wife's name? Because I need to know what to call you. And so I had to go look up her name, you know. But here's the thing. I'm driving home. I know exactly what I'm going to do. And on my way up the steps, the Holy Spirit said, don't do that. Do this. Can I tell you? That when we listen to the Holy Spirit, we'll save ourselves from a whole lot of heartache. When we, when we listen to the Holy Spirit, we won't crush folks that we crushed. We, we, we might not need to say that right then. Maybe we need to say it tomorrow, but we might not need to say it right then. It's important for us to hear the voice of God. Hear these soldiers, these captains, this ship, they didn't want to hear Paul. They didn't want to hear Paul because they always think of somebody trying to get out of something. But I'm going to tell you something. If they would have listened to Paul, they wouldn't have been in the mess they got in. So here it is. They found themselves in the midst of this, 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 this storm. A storm came up. We've been talking about storms all weekend long. A storm came up, and this storm was greater than any storm they'd ever seen. Because guess what? This was the season for storms to come up. But they didn't want to listen. 
It's the day after atonement, which indicates that there was a season of the storms that was going to come up. Paul tries to warn the captain of the ship that God will always, listen, God will always send a warning before storms that you're not supposed to go in. We've been talking about storms, and we talked about there's some storms, I told you yesterday, that God will escort you into. But there are some storms that we walk into ourselves. And let me tell you, God will always, always give you a warning. Come back. Don't go there. Don't do that. Come on. Don't, don't do that. Stop. Stop. It could be the littlest of things. I'm trying to live a life of fasting, right? Y'all hear what I said? I'm trying to live a life of fasting. I got out of, Bishop, I got out of calling fast on the church. Because most people use fasting as a time of dieting. Because you know when you fast, you really are supposed to be spending that time with God. But I do try to fast every day. Even in my eating. But I eat every day. So I get to a point where I crucify my flesh by saying I've had enough. My flesh is not in control. My spirit man is in control. There are certain things that you've got to be stronger in your spirit man. And whatever you're battling, you've got to be able to speak to your flesh and say, my spirit man is in control. I don't care if that's eating. I don't care if that's drinking. I don't care if that's smoking. I don't care if you work all the time. I don't care. Whatever you are struggling with, you've got to control what you're going through by the spirit man being stronger than your flesh, which takes the Holy Spirit to speak on your behalf. There are three voices. This isn't in my notes. Let me just give this to you. There's three voices you need to be aware of. You need to be aware of the voice of God. You need to be aware of your voice. And then you need to be aware of the voice of the enemy. I'm going to say it again. God's voice, your voice, and the voice of the enemy. Those are the three voices you need to be aware of. Let me tell you, if, you haven't, if you're struggling with hearing God's voice, here's a good way to practice hearing God's voice. First of all, the devil will never tell you to do anything that lines up with God's word. So here's a good indication. Good indication is this. Been up all day, been working all day, been going at it all day. Tonight when you get home, you get ready to lie down. You're tired. You're drained. You know you got to get up in the morning and take care of whatever you got to do tomorrow. And all of a sudden, you hear a voice that says, read my word. Or how about this? Pray for somebody. But you're tired. And most of us will do that prayer. You know how we do it when we hear the voice of that voice say pray? You know how we do it? Father God. We lay right on bed. I roll right on over, and I'm going to pray. And I, 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 I prayed so much that I went to sleep in the prayer. No, you were lazy. Because if your life was in the balance, you'd want somebody. Oh, Jesus. Come on, somebody. That's not your voice. That's the voice of God because you're tired. In your flesh, you're like, yo, I'm ready to go to bed. But how many people know that when God calls you to do something, you need to do it right then? 
Learn to move when God say move. Paul turned around and he says, listen, y'all don't want to do this. There's a storm that's going to come and you don't want to be in the middle of the storm because guess what? There's something that's going to happen and we could lose our life. When you are walking in the wrong direction, when you're going the wrong way and you're about to make some poor decisions, God will always, always warn you. God is speaking. And so my first point that I want to bring out in in our sermon today, Broken Vessels, is this. Things don't always go your way. Things are not going to always go the way you want them to go. I don't care if that's in your relationship with your spouse or your relationship with your children, your grandchildren, on your job, on your community. Let me just say this. Don't look look straight ahead because I I don't want you to think nobody talking about you. Some of y'all got a control demon you need to let go. It's just got to be your way. It's not going to always go your way. Can you imagine Paul now being arrested? Paul now going over in a ship to be serving, to serve time. And in the middle of all of that, God is not moving because he's saying, guess what? You're going to go through what, but you're not in control. I'm in control. Have you ever spoke something and said, why ain't they doing it my way? Do you know how many times I've talked to People in church, particularly people in church. People in church, they funny. People in church, funny. Look, I'm telling you, they're just funny. Well, you know, I'm not going to do that no more. This is my last night, right? Okay. I'm not going to, now I can do what I want to do now. Wait a minute, can we take the offering up first? No, I'm just kidding. You know what? I'm not going to go back. I'm not going back to the church. Because they done made me mad. I told the pastor that we need to do it this way. And he didn't do it my way. And so I'm not going to go back. I know I heard from God. Paul did too. Paul heard from God. But he wanted control of the ship. Come on, y'all got to get this. Sometimes your responsibility is just speak what God gave you and leave the rest to those who are in charge. I've done my part. Now I've got to release it and sit in my seat. I can't tell you how many churches I've been to, how many pastors I've talked to, how many people I've talked to, and they go, well, you know, I would go back over there, but they offended me. When you get offended at work, you don't quit. Your neighbor upsets you, you don't sell your house. Why is it that the church are the first people to go, well, I'm offended, and we take it out on God? I'm going to talk back here because ain't nobody talking to me up here. <laughs> yeah, I'm going I'm to I'm 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 talk to that cross back there because, man, it's... Man, y'all must, y'all must be ready to go see Dallas win tonight because y'all are quiet in here tonight. Praise you, Jesus. I, I fear maybe I talk football, we'll get some amen somewhere. I don't know. Listen, you're not going to always be in charge. You got to let it go. 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 Act like this your altar call right now and just say, God, I let it go. 
I let it go right now. I, I just, I release it right now. It's yours, God. I did my part. I did my part. You've got to, you've got to realize things are not going to always go your way. Things are not going to go the way you want it to go all the time. See, normally God has a say-so in it, and so when he gets to the place where he wants to move, he's going to move. But sometimes he's got to allow human logic to play its course. He's got to allow folks to do what they're going to do so that he gets all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. See, it's not going to be because of what you said or how you said it or how you built it. Don't you know that there are things that's got to be weighed out? I got to pray about that thing. Don't, I, I hear what you're saying, but as a pastor, I got to pray about that thing because I don't want to say that sister so-and-so, I don't want to look at God and say, brother so-and-so told me to do this, and that's why I did it. I want to look at God and say, God, I heard you say it, and that's why I did it. Oh, I appreciate you coming to me. I appreciate you saying, Pastor, maybe we need to go in this direction. Or, Pastor, I've been praying about this thing. Don't y'all know that David was anointed to be king and never became king for 48 years? Not that God is not going to do what he's put in your spirit, but guess what? It might, might mean that, guess what? I'm showing you something today in order for it to die, in order for it to grow, and then bear forth fruit. The Bible says in Acts, it says, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it cannot bring forth fruit. I'm telling you, I'm tell, okay, I'm gonna, I'm, PT, I'm going to turn this way because there ain't nobody going to like this one. You might have a happier home if you stop trying to control everybody. Thank you, Cross. Your kids might start liking you if you learn to read them better by the Holy Spirit. Ooh, help me, Holy Spirit. Y'all ever heard a lean-to? I ain't talking about that thing on your house. I call it youth department. I call it a lean-to. Sometimes you miss opportunities to be a blessing to your children because they leaning in and you still fussing. The lean-in is that they really want your attention. The lean-in is they really want a hug. They don't want you to fuss. They just want a hug. My youngest daughter, she has this thing that she just, you know, she'll walk up and she would be like, and she just growls all the time like she's somebody's puppy or something. I'm like, yo, you know, I'll put you on a leash and walk you, but, I mean, it's not going to look good. But, you know, I'm just saying, you're 12 years old. It don't look good no more. And she just growls, and I just like, oh, you want one? She does. She just has this attitude. She just walks around. She's 12. She's 12. She's got attitude. I get it. I'm like, yo, you, you know, I don't know who you picked that up. More like, I don't know, but I'm just saying. I'm not pointing no fingers. You know what I'm saying? But I don't think that's me. So when she has that attitude, I think it's a lean to her. And that's what I told her. I said, you just leaning in. You want one, don't you? No, daddy, leave me alone. But you got to get it now because you came to me growling. You got to get a hug. Oh, I got one for you. I got plenty of them. I got them in the back pocket, the front pocket. You're going to get a hug now. Because why? You got an attitude. And you just telling me you want me to love you. If you would have came here without an attitude, I wouldn't have thought you needed a hug. And it's a joke we have, but I'm going to tell you something. Because I've listened to the Holy Spirit tell me how to fix the problem, we don't get into confrontations anymore about our attitude. Because as soon as she comes through the door and she, nah, how was your day, baby? I, what, what am I looking at? You need one? I got one. I, I got a backpack full of hugs. 
one of them's got your name on it. Or I could sit there and be like, what happened in Scooter? Why do you have an attitude? Who are you talking to that way? Let me come in here for, no, 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 no. Hear the Holy Spirit teach you to help reach not only your spouse, your children, but your neighbors. To reach those that are in the boat with you. To reach those that are going and traveling, even your enemies, even your enemies. Listen to God so that he can help you reach your enemies because our commission is to reach the lost. Our commission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every nation. That means we've got to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves as we navigate through these waters of how do I reach the lost? God, you placed them in my path. We've intersected for a reason. Now, God, help me. Help me understand why it is that I keep running into these type of people. Why it is it that I keep coming across this? I can't get off the boat. I'm a prisoner in this journey. It's not going to be your way all the time. The second point, second point. Even though you might feel like Paul and in pain and shackled, God is still with you. I don't want you to ever forget that God is still with you. When good days turn into bad days, God is still with you. How do you make it through the storms of life? Because storms fall on the just as well as the unjust. How do you make it through these storms? How do you make it through the storms of things that are happening? Because let me tell you something. Because we live in a fallen world, we are subject to the things of the world. We're subject. This is not perfect. This flesh is not perfect. That doesn't mean we don't live spiritually trying to be perfect. What it means, though, is is that, guess what? When it rains outside, it doesn't just rain on on, on the unsaved. Everybody gets rained on. The only difference is, is that those who have seed in the ground, those are the ones praying for rain. If you don't have anything to live for, you'll find the rain to be an annoyance. Ask a farmer who needs the rain. Lord, I see you planted me in this vineyard. Lord, I see that you've planted me in this community. Lord, I see that you've planted me in this family. Lord, I see that you've planted me with this situation. Yeah, I get it. I'm here now. However you got here. However you got here. Stop looking back and saying, well, I made that decision myself. I know, but we're here now. Lord, use me while I'm here. Get the most out of me right now. God is with you through all of this that you're going through. God is right there with you. There's not a storm that God has not already 
guarded us, protected us, kept us through it all. There's no storm. I'd rather be, if I'm going to be in the storm, I'd rather be in the storm with God than without him. Then I get it. There are some storms we face. We face them because of others. Paul faced this storm. He said, look, we ain't got to go here. It's not the right season. But if you're going to drag me on this boat, I've got to go through the storm because of who I'm connected with. Some of us are going through storms. Some of us are on a journey because of the people we're connected with. And while we're connected with them, God will still keep you. God is a keeper of his children. God is a keeper through every circumstance and situation you may be going through. God will keep you through it all. Storms may turn in to something that you're not ready for. But can I help you out with this? We've got to stop looking at our storms and stop saying that we are victims because we're victorious. Stop looking at your situations and keep victimizing yourself. You're not a victim. Nobody's after you but the devil. And the devil is already defeated. I need you to get that in your spirit. I'm not afraid. You know, I, I, got, I got little nephews and nieces, and, 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 and my, my youngest son is five. I told y'all, anybody, y'all ain't come up and take me on that offer yet. But, it, you know, five years old. And, and right at that age, they scared of everything. They scared of everything. A fly come around. Oh, my God, daddy. Mosquito. Anything flying. They scared of it. And I keep telling them, you bigger than that. You bigger than the fly. You bigger that you bigger than that. Just just poach. Just just flex on them. Like, that's all you gotta do. They gonna move. You, you see a cat, all you gotta do is like except for Tommy's old cat. He that cat wouldn't that cat was possessed. Why are we allowing small, insignificant things to move us when God has already given, all power has been given unto you? Jesus said, greater work shall ye do in my name. If you go back and look in the book of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah says, is this the one we will narrowly look upon him? We, that word narrowly actually means to squint. You ever had a, 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 a splinter in your hand and you, you could feel it? but you couldn't get it out, you couldn't see it, but it hurt, you knew it was there. The Bible says that they, we shall narrowly, we shall squint to see, narrowly look upon him, talking about the devil, and we shall ask, the, and the question will be asked, is this the one that shook the nations? Is this the one that everyone feared? The devil is so small and insignificant, and we make him so big and so powerful. And he says, listen, he says that he walks around like a roaring lion. He say he was a roaring lion. We quote more things of the world than we do the word. We're changing that tonight. To 
night we begin to confess the word of God. If God before me, he's more than the whole world against me. If one could put a thousand to flight, two could put 10,000, what ails you? What's got you bound? What's got you down? What's got you holding you? Our God is greater by the power of the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. What's got you? I'm telling you, you don't got me because I've got Jesus. Listen, I, I'm no longer a victim. I'm victorious. I'm no longer a victim. I'm victorious. Point three is this. There is victory after this. The story goes on to say that Paul, the storm came. Storm was rocking and rolling. And I get it. There's storms in our lives. I wrote down a few storms. I just wrote down a few storms. There's emotional storms. You know, I found out when people have emotional storms, most of the time you have emotional storms because we're comparing ourselves with other people. My, my medical degree tells me, so y'all know where my medical degree comes from, tells me that most people who compare themselves to others fall into a great state of depression. Because they start comparing themselves and says, well, I'm so-and-so age, and why ain't I married yet? Well, I've been married for five years, and look at them over there. They got children. Why don't we have children yet? been working on my job, but I don't make what they make. I've been doing what I've been doing, but why don't I look like that? I've been preaching for 30-some 30, 30 years. Why don't I have a church this size? Why this? And we compare ourselves to other people. And if you continue to compare yourself to other people, you'll be depressed because you'll stop appreciating what you have. It's the old 80-20 rule. See, I realized this a long time ago. As beautiful and as wonderful as my wife is, she's not 100%. I, I am, but she's not. <laughs> I'm not either. 99.9. .9. Got to have something for y'all to work on. It's, it, listen, it's the 80-20 rule. 80-20 is this. 80-20 rule says this. There's 80% of what I love. And it's always that era of things that, you know what, I just don't like. I just, I, I prefer you not do that. I know I do things to my wife. She just preferred it. I don't do it. I got, I got a nice closet. She don't have to go in it. It's my closet. I got the way I do my clothes. I know how I do my clothes. I put my clothes in my basket. I don't put it on the floor. I mean, I, she trained me right. But I got this thing, right? I got all white t-shirts except one. I've got one t-shirt that's gray. It sits at the bottom of my drawer. It's the last T-shirt of the pile. When I get to the gray T-shirt, wash clothes. 
I got to tell you, that's about three weeks worth of clothes. Now, for some reason, that drives my wife crazy. But I'm going, that's not in your closet. You can't see it. And she's like, I can't see it. Why are you in my closet? And I know it drives her absolutely batty. But I'm going, you're taking on more than you should be taking on. And she'd be like, well, why can't you fix that? I said, that's my 20. What do you mean? That's my 20. You don't love me because I do laundry. You love me for the 80. How many times do we get frustrated with folks because of the 20? And we're willing to give up the 80 for the 20. We're willing to get angry, frustrated, mad, disappointed because we're focusing in on the 20 and we fail to remember there's so much more that you are. Even when it comes to God, we'll turn around and we'll get upset with God. We'll get mad with God because, God, you didn't do this. You didn't do this. And he's sitting back going, you mad because I didn't do that? What about this? What about the fact that you're still here? What about the fact that, guess what, I'm still moving. I'm, still, I'm, I'm a keeper. We'll trade the 80 for the 20. It's almost like I tell people at work, they say, oh, I can't wait till the weekend. Y'all, y'all, y'all live for the weekend? Anybody in here? Be honest, be honest. You live for the weekend? I'm about to crush you, so go ahead. Just raise your hand. You live for the weekend? It's okay. It's okay. I tell people, you're willing to trade in two days for five. You only get two days on the weekend. So I, I got this model. I'm going to live every day like it's the weekend and every weekend like it's the holiday. I'm going to be thankful for every day I get. And I'm going to make the most out of every day. I'm not trading in the majority for the minority. Nothing on this earth, hear me saints, nothing on this earth is going to be perfect. Everything that's perfect is in heaven. The equipment and the people that know how to operate it. Here's a, here's a bulletin board for you. Notice to yourself. You ain't perfect. I know you think you got it going on because you got everything in its right spot, in its right place, turned the right way. You got it lined up just right and you know exactly where everything goes. I'm that one to come to disrupt your life. I got a guy that I work with. He got all these little figurines in his office and little toys and trinkets and stuff. And they got to be positioned the right way. And he knows when I come in his office. Because all I got to do is take one arm and move it just a little bit. And he has a conniption. I said, man, be delivered. It's a toy. <laughs> this ain't even your job. These toys shouldn't even be here. Do you know when you leave here, they're going to throw all of this in a box? <laughs> Some folks got emotional storms. Some folks go through physical storms when the body is just not right. My wife, many of you all heard PT talk about there's a side of me, many of you all, because we don't have time, I have not shared. But I will share this. My wife, is, her journey right now is with breast cancer. This is her second time. But she's victorious. She's not a victim. Right. I need y'all to hear me when I say this. 
She's not a victim. She's victorious because we've already won. I don't care what the doctors say. I don't care what the reports say. I know what God told us. I know what God told us when she read for herself and found and held it on, and she's holding on to Psalm 118, 17, that you shall live and not die and proclaim the works of the Lord. That, that physically, my wife lost her hair and she's completely bald. We look like twins. It won't grow back but in patches, but one of the patches that it grows back in, she had asked God, God, if you're still with me, if you're still with me, God, I need a sign that you're with me and that you're going to heal me and you're going to deliver me. And in the back of her head, in the back of her head, there is a patch of hair that grows that is in the shape of a heart. And when my wife decided earlier this year that she was going to begin to live her life and take off the wigs and be free because whom the sun is set free is free indeed. She says, I'm bigger, I'm better than my hair. My hair doesn't define me. Maybe you physically, you've lost something. Maybe something physically isn't connecting. Maybe stop focusing in on what you don't have and start focusing in on what you do have. Work on what you can. Do all that you can. But don't be overly consumed with that in time. Whatever God's got for you, he's going to give you. Whatever he says you don't need anymore, guess what? Just look at it and say, God, I thank you that I'm still here. Some of us have physical storms that we're going through. Some of us have financial storms that we're going through. Some of us have relational storms that we're going through. All of that, when we look at it, if we're, when we are not looking to God in the storm, the storm will take us out. If we take our eyes off of God, these things will take us out. We've got to get to the place where we say, Lord, I want to make way for the storm. I want to get out of the way. When you get in the place where you say, you know what, they, they, you get pulled out of the way, you get to a place of hopelessness. Now, I'm getting ready to go. There's a scripture. I, I read it. It's the latter part. I read it to you that they talked about. They got to a place where Paul began to tell them, you need to anchor. You need to go somewhere and anchor. You need to go somewhere and get tied down. You need to go somewhere and get tied down. Here's how you're going to be victorious. Here's how you are going to be victorious. The way you're going to be victorious is, is that you've got to get to a place where you are beginning to throw your anchors overboard. Now, hear what I said. I didn't say anchor. Now, Tommy, I got to tell you, all my boats, I had one anchor. And one I won't go out in no storm. Two, I won't go out in no storm. I had one anchor. I had one time when I threw the anchor out and we stayed out fishing all night. The tide came in and the tide came out and the boat just kind of rotated. And when we got ready to leave, the anchor was stuck. But I knew what to do. You kind of give it a little gas, you pull up a little bit, you try to get up. That anchor wouldn't come up. The anchor was locked, stuck. And whatever it got caught on down below, it was stuck. So I had to cut the anchor. So I understand what it's like to have a good anchor. 
But I began to do my research, and even they mentioned it in the Scripture, that in order for them to survive the night, they had to drop four anchors. I want to give you four anchors that'll help you through your storm. Four anchors that you'll realize that I'm not broken. I'm not going to not get where I need to go. What are those four anchors? I'm going to tell you those four anchors. One thing you need to do is, is make sure that you are in the presence of God. Make sure that you're in his word. Make sure that you're using his time, reciting his word, speaking his word. You need to drop an anchor because guess what? Sometimes the storms get so rough, you need to drop an anchor on every side of the boat. And you've got to look back and you say, God, I'm going to trust you even when I can't trace you. I'm going to trust you and I'm going to just recite your word and speak your word and continue to do your word. I want to be in a place where, God, you're there and your word will give me the very essence and the very sustenance that I need to carry me over. There's a level of peace. There's a level of peace which comes when reading the word. This is not the peace that means you have the absence of a storm. This is the peace that says I'm being sustained through the storm. This is not that, that level of peace that says it's going to be all right by the by and by. It says, no, God, while I'm here, I know you're with me. The second anchor you need to drop is drop your worship. I'm not saying don't do your worship. Drop an anchor of worship where you just begin to declare, God, how much you mean to me and how much you're worth. It's easy to complain. Remember, don't cash in the 80 for the 20. Start talking about and reciting, God, how wonderful you've been, how you're worth. Because when you talk about worship, it's literally you're saying how much God is worth to you. His kingship is worth to you. God, I thank you. I thank you that the sun rose and the sun goes down. I thank you that you're still God. I thank you that you have a cattle on a thousand hills. I thank you that you have not forgotten about me. I thank you that my name is on your lips. I thank you that you're standing up and you're singing praises over me. I thank you, God, that I have my right mind. I thank you that I can see. I thank you that I can walk. I thank you that I can talk. I'm going to tell you, God, how much you're worth to me and how much I love you. I'm going to drop the anchor. The more I read, the more I see how powerful you are. So I'll read and I'll worship. The third anchor you need to drop is praise. Lift up your head, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors. Watch what happens when praise comes in and the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord God, strong, strong. No matter how hard your storm looks, God is stronger than your storm. The last anchor you need to drop, you've got your word, you've got worship, you've got praise, you need fellowship. Bible says in the last days, fail not to assemble yourselves together amongst the brethren. What is important about fellowship? Fellowship is where we draw strength. Fellowship is where we, the Bible says it this way, it says iron sharpens iron and so does the countenance. Y'all ever catch that? 
So does the countenance of another sharpen another. Tom, it took me a while. I never caught that. I always stopped at iron sharpens iron. Just your look sharpens me. I need to have fellowship. Y'all know how, y'all, y'all, okay, y'all didn't get that. All right, so here it is. My daddy used to ride in the car. He said, when you get over here at grandmama's house, don't let me. If I have to, you ever had to get the kids to, and what they do? So my wife said, Mufasa, look at him. I ain't got to say, I, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I ain't going to say a word. I ain't going to say a word. Do you not know that when we fellowship together, y'all, we, 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 we respond differently. We get energized. We get plugged in. We get to a place where you say, you know what, I can, I can do this. I can, this, this, no, I'm, you're right. You're right, Pastor. PT, you're right. We can do this. No, ain't no devil going to take us out. My children ain't going over to the devil. You, no, you's a lie. No, 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 no. I'm, I am, I'm going to walk back in on my job tomorrow, and I'm going to do the things that God has told me to do, and watch God work on my behalf. Watch God do what he needs to do. I'm going back to the doctor. I'm going to take my pills. I'm going to do my exercise. I'm going to do everything that I'm told to do, and I'm going to watch God move, because I realize that when the enemy comes against you, comma, pause, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against it. See, many times we've read that scripture wrong. We said when the Spirit of the Lord, when the enemy comes against us like a flood, no, 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 no. When the enemy comes against us, comma, stop, pause, like a flood, like a storm in reverse. The angel of the Lord will raise up a standard against who? Your enemies. He'll raise up a standard against your enemies. See, I like this scripture. I like this. I got to come over here, especially I ain't got no video, right? See, the Bible says this. It says that he will cause your enemies to be your footstool, right? See, Tommy, we've been around the house all day today because I was tired. Y'all had me preaching, and we think that the footstool is the ability to put our feet up and rest. No, 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 no. He said, I'll cause your enemy to be your step. (laughs) And every time the enemy get on my nerves and I trust God, I'm going to step. And I'm going to go up just a little bit higher in God. I'm going to set my affections on things above and not on things of this earth. I'm going to put my eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of my faith. And I'm not going to let what the enemy said stop me from moving to my place of destiny. Here's what happens. See, y'all don't get, you got to get to the back of the book. The back of the book says we already win. Paul was in this ship, and I got to tell you, the ship wrecked. Don't sound like a good end of the story, does it? The ship wrecked, and it was broken into pieces. Here's what's funny, though. God still can use broken pieces. Paul couldn't have been freed if it wasn't for the ship breaking apart. At the beginning of the story, Paul declared, if we go into this storm, 
Not only could we lose cargo and the ship and our lives, at the end of the story, Paul said they'd already threw all the cargo overboard. They threw all the merchandise overboard. And the ship shattered. And Paul found himself holding on to broken pieces. Paul found himself holding on to the pieces that would carry him to shore. When he got to shore, he was free. When he got to his destination off of the ship that was supposed to be holding him captive, it was those pieces that got him to the place where God says, you're free. I want to tell you this, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. You are free in Jesus. You're not a victim. God can use broken pieces. I read a book one time. I don't know if you read it before. It said God can use broken crayons. You ever think about a broken crayon? No matter how much you break it, it's still colors. The enemy keeps making you feel like you're nothing because maybe you don't look like you used to do. Maybe you don't work like you used to work. Maybe you don't function like you think you ought to function, and the enemy has got you thinking that you're not useful. I'm here to tell you today that God says you're still useful because I'm going to tell you something. It's not so much how much you can be used in a person's hand that has no ability to use you because maybe you're in the wrong person's hands. It makes a difference when you're put in the hands of the master. I've heard this before. It's nothing that I've written myself. Give me a basketball, I look like a jerk. It means absolutely nothing. Put a basketball in the hands of LeBron James and you'll make millions. Give me a tennis ball, tennis racket. And I'm telling you, I still look like a jerk. But put it in the hands of Serena Williams or, or the late Arthur Ashe and you'll look like a celebrity. Give me a golf club. I definitely won't look as bad as Tommy. <laughs> or maybe not as good as Gizzy. But we won't make the money as Tiger Woods. Put nails in my hand, and I might be able to build something, but I won't be able to take your sins. Have you put your life in God's hands? Maybe some of the things that you've been going through is because maybe you're handling your own life or maybe you're allowing somebody else to handle it for you. But I'm challenging all of us today to let God handle us. Come on, stand to your feet. Y'all been so gracious to allow me to just pour out. I, couldn't, I can't go home full. I feel like I'm empty now. God is using you right where you are. And I don't, I, don't know, I don't know who I might be speaking to, but if you're battling with trying to figure out if God still is pleased with you, can I just tell you he is? I'm not telling you that you're perfect. I'm not telling you that there aren't things that you still have to work out. Trust me. There's some areas in my life that God is still working on me. 
I'm not perfect. But I say this, God, use me. And as you continue to use me, clean me up. If he can use me, I know he can use you. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Father God, in the name of Jesus, God, we honor you and bless you. We thank you, Father God, for your word. We thank you, Father God, that peace is not the absence of a storm, but it's having shelter during the storm. We thank you, Father God, that we're not in a place of hopelessness. God, we've placed our anchor in you. That God, when others would want us to drift, you said, I got you. You're anchored in me. Broken vessels don't mean that we're broken people. Because God, you've got us. And I believe above all things that we're going to make it. We'll make it through this. We'll make it through the storm. We'll make it through the emotional storm, the financial storm, the relational storm, the physical storm. This too will pass. And we'll be stronger after this. We honor you and bless you, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today, if you're here today and you have not accepted Jesus into your life, I want to pray with you. We're going to have an altar call after that. But if you've not accepted Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior or you're in a backslidden state, I want you to come so we can pray with you. I know PT has some announcement that he wants to make. But like we've done in the last night, after his announcements, all those who want to come, we're going to open up the altar, and I'll, I'll be here. I'll be here. All, my flight don't leave till tomorrow night. I'll be here all night. We're going to pray, touch, and agree on whatever concerns you and concerns your heart. PT?